Hey guys, it's me, P. And me, S. And you're listening to the Girl on Girl podcast. But it's not what you think. But also, it's kind of what you think. Okay, here's the deal. My name is Persis. I'm queer, Indian, femme, and a little over five feet tall. And my name is Sarah. I'm straight, white, cis, and a proud ginger. Every episode, we're going to talk about sexuality from a queer perspective, from a straight perspective, and what it means to find the fluidity between the two. We're going to talk about taboos, labels, dating, awkward moments, pop culture icons. We're also going to talk safe sex, self-discovery, discrimination, and what it means to be a queer minority. Hey, P. Hey, S. Happy, what day is it today? Tuesday. It's Tuesday. We're feeling good. We're feeling fly. Mm -hmm. We are feeling on top of the world, I think. Honestly, the weather like changes my entire being. Like as I was walking today, I went down to Paradise Grapevine, like that area. Uh, And I was just walking down Bloor. Can we give Paradise Grapevine a little support local shout out? They are the best. That's actually where I had my first date with my boyfriend and we fell in love there so if you go to paradise grapevine you'll fall in love i didn't i forgot that was your guys's first date you went to paradise grapevine that's right and they have the cutest little back patio it's very romantic i mean i was sold um i can't wait for the patios to open because when i went in um to get some wine uh they they had the little sign that said like back patio but i was like no it's obviously closed but Once it opens in May again, hopefully when we get things up again, I'm going to go. Well, when you go to Paradise Grapevine in May, are you going to ask me to come join you? Yeah, of course. It'll it'll be a date. On the back patio? Yeah. Meet me in the back. Okay. Well, it's the place where people fall in love, so. Yeah, but I'm tired of our toxicity. That's a good word. (laughs) (laughs) I was like taken aback that you pronounced it correctly. (laughs) Sarah? I don't pronounce everything wrong, okay? That's not what I'm saying. I'm just, I was like, I don't even know if I'd pronounce that correctly. Toxicity? I love saying toxicity. I have a, so <laughs> yeah, my Yeah, because you're toxic. No, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not toxic. The only toxic bone I have in my body is when I sing Toxic by Britney Spears. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I know, I'm predictable. But um, my coworker and I have this thing where we, we say we're like in love with each other, but then we're like, we're so toxic for each other because mm-hmm. I bother her all day. I'll give her a shout out, Danielle. Um, I bother her all hey, day Danielle. at work <laughs> and I'm so needy. Yeah. Oh my God. Even, even when you and me would work together at this, at the kitchen table or whatever, it was toxic vibes. It was so hard to get stuff done because we would just like stare at each other over our computers and start laughing for no reason. I know. I think we should clarify if we're, when we mean toxic, I think it means we're just like so in love with each other and we just like don't know what to do with all those feelings. Yeah. It's a lot of emotions like rolling, (laughs) rolling, (laughs) rolling down the river. Eh, 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 eh. Okay. Well, (laughs) purse. Yes. I just, before we dive into today's topic, we have been getting the best messages. And I just feel like we need to acknowledge it. We've kind of mentioned it in previous episodes, but like you guys 
I feel like it's almost cliche to be like, when you send us these messages, like we're reminded why we do this <laughs> because we just started this pod on a whim, like just for a fun thing to do. And we honestly didn't know if anyone would ever listen to it, but we're getting messages from people around the world who are like, I love your pod because I relate to what you're talking about. Almost every single message will say like, I relate to what you're saying and I feel validated or I feel seen and here's my story and people are sharing their stories with us. We have um, a listener who was inspired to come out to a few of her friends, which blows my mind. Um, I I feel like since we were only on episode eight and I've heard so many stories from people I've never met who just felt compelled to share them with us and I just had to say that we appreciate it is like it's an understatement an understatement like we it it basically just like honestly makes my day every single time I think I'm just surprised that like anyone's listening first of all and also that people are actually finding value and feeling the need to reach out it's so touching like Almost every episode, we talk about why we started this. It's to have the conversation between the straight girl and the queer girl and understand each other better and all that good stuff. But like, at the end of the day, what we really want is just for one person minimum to like feel a part of a community, feel feel seen and feel validated and feel empowered really to be themselves, whether they're in the queer community or they're not. And that's the whole thing. Um, We want to make it a big thing to be like, you don't have to be in the queer community, right? Like we even want this to resonate with people who identify as straight to, to open them up and be like, you know what, maybe I want to understand my queer friends more. And that's the whole point of this podcast. Like we want to bring people together. And I think this, this can really, I really think can resonate with anyone. I've received um, multiple messages from straight, straight identifying people who are like, that made me think differently about that. Or, or even like, I've had a few straight friends like say something and then me respond and them say, oh yeah, I should have learned that from your labels episode or whatever. And like, I see them course correcting in real time, which is what I do all the time, right? Like we're all learning, but I don't know. I guess I just wanted to, to acknowledge right off the top, guys, if you've sent us a, me- a me- message, um, <laughs> if you've sent us a message, thank you so much. We're so happy that you listened. <laughs> Honestly, what if that's it, what we sounded like? We what do if, sound like that. You guys still don't listen to the podcast if we sound. Send like us that. a DM and let us <laughs> let us know if you still listen. <laughs> Oh God, Purse, okay. we have the gigglies. Like when we have the gigglies, it's hard to we like can't let them stop. go. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, but this was supposed to be heartfelt. Listen. It was. We, it was we, 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 you messed it up. I'm sorry. I yeah, I did. Honestly, that's my bad. But we just we're so grateful for um if you're listening to this right this second, we are so grateful for you, whether you've sent us a DM or not. Um and if you have, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being vulnerable and feeling the desire to reach out. We love it so much. We will always respond. We'll always start that conversation with you. And um, one thing I'm really excited about is that we're planning on starting to bring in some of those stories into our future episodes. So if you have a story that you... Do you you hear sneeze? (laughs) My boyfriend just sneezed. 
so loud. I really hope the mic picked that up somehow because I'm going to make sure that gets in. <laughs> Me too. Like, is he okay? I don't know. if he, Should I go? Should I check if he's good? If you feel compelled to share your story, we'd love to share it on a future episode. So we have some of that planned um, for upcoming epis. And we love you guys so much. Just to reiterate what Sarah said, like, really, we do love you guys. And I know how much it takes to open up to people and tell your story, especially to complete strangers. What I, but I think that's what's amazing about social media nowadays, Sarah. Like, yeah. I've been that girl. I think if I was younger or even now, if I heard a podcast like that, I wouldn't hesitate at 25 years old to reach out to someone who I resonated with. I literally do that now. And you can you can make connections. Yeah. You can become friends with people. It's just so normalized. And we've made friends through the Instagram on the podcast and consistently chat with them. Like, I think it's a really beautiful thing. And that just didn't used to happen like years and years ago. So I'm happy we no. live in this time to do that. Okay, Purse, what's our topic today? So today is going to be a bit of a, a deeper one, I think, compared to the, I mean, obviously the last episode where we were kind of just lolling the entire time of our favorite, better favorite movies. But <laughs> um, we're going to be talking about phobias. And these are phobias that exist in the queer community and outside the queer community. So Sarah... I'm ready to dive into them with you because it's interesting because I think, you know, these are things that we live our life like daily, knowing that these are like surrounding our orbit. And there were things that I would be like, oh, you know what? I've experienced this, but I didn't realize it until I kind of did a deep dive on what the phobia was. So yeah, this is a topic that I actually feel like I'm going to learn a lot about today as we chat, mainly because I don't think I have any of these phobias, but we might discover that I do. I think a lot of these things are subconscious and they're ingrained in us and we don't realize it, but it'll be interesting to kind of explore why they exist. And I was saying to Purse before we started recording, I think a really important thing to include in this topic is, listen, these phobias suck. Our goal is to hopefully not have these phobias one day and we can all live in harmony and kumbaya and be understanding of each other and connected and love each other. That's obviously our goal. But I think we can't get there until we really acknowledge where the phobias are coming from. And so as we go through all these phobias, we're going to kind of talk about like, why do they exist and and who is um, most commonly like presenting these fears or pushing these fears forward and and really like the root of why. And I think once we can kind of all step back and be like a bit more open-minded to the why, like we could maybe all get to a more level playing field. And I was going to point out really quick that I feel like I've always been a type of person who likes to think that everyone's inherently good. Like we're all like good humans. And you're right. I liked that point to kind of be like, let's instead of just placing so much blame on the person who is, you know, having all these phobias and these like their discriminatory thoughts. And, you know, as long as they're not like physically going out to hurt someone, but if they're thinking these things subconsciously without knowing, yeah, let's get to the why, where did this come from? So I'm excited to talk about this with you. Yeah. And there's layers like good people can still have prejudices and I'm a, I'm a, a good person who still has you know, shit I need to deal with. So also it wouldn't be um, a super interesting pod if we were just like, phobias are bad. No one do them. Have a great night. (laughs) 
Like we got... That would make my editing job really easy. Yeah, we got to chat about this. Why is this happening? So anyway, I don't know if you guys have been introed out, but we just introed the shit out of this topic. So let's dive in. So Sarah, what phobias are we going to talk about today? We are talking about heterophobia, biphobia, lesbophobia, femphobia, which I love because of the alliteration, femphobia. It sounds so nice. Mm -hmm. I don't love femphobia. I just love the way it sounds. She loves it. I don't. <laughs> just like a demon just entered my body. Sarah, um, if anyone doesn't know, Sarah has a demon that lives in her body that comes out every so often. Listen, I think everyone knows that. Um, and then the last phobia is transphobia, which I'm really interested to talk about that one. Well, all of them, but that's what we're going to talk about today. Are y'all ready? So we're going to dive into the first phobia, which is heterophobia. Does it deserve that? Maybe not. Actually, yeah, maybe it does. No, it doesn't. Because <laughs> we're taking it down, ladies and gents, and everyone in between. We're taking it down. With a foghorn or whatever? That's a wrecking called? ball. A cayman like, like a wrecking ball. ball. Oh my god, I don't even want to know what my voice <laughs> sounded like. So just picture Sarah and I on opposite ends of the walls coming through on wrecking balls to smash heterophobia. Okay. And we're naked. And we're naked. So more reason to tune in to this podcast. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay, Sarah. So what is heterophobia? Heterophobia is the irrational fear or dislike of heterosexuality or of any heterosexuals. And... I think this exists within the LGBTQ community. I've heard it. Yeah. I, I can't say I've like experienced it firsthand, but I've been around people who have expressed a dislike towards the hetero community. And it's more in a joking manner. It's not like they're coming at it from like a attacking perspective, but there's some jokes that, that are said that I'm like, but imagine if a, if a hetero group was saying this about a, the gay community, which they do, but it's just, it's the same thing. So why are we hating on each other? You know? Totally. Looking at all of these phobias just on a surface level and really not knowing much about them. This one seems the most, this one seems like the one that makes the most sense only because the relationship between the queer community and the straight community hasn't always been easy. I mean, queer people have been ostracized by the straight community for centuries right so even as a hetero person i'm like that makes that kind of makes sense to have the phobia to have the fear because i mean there are immeasurable accounts of queer people being physically hurt by the straight community or hetero people and obviously emotionally hurt so i could imagine being queer and having a genuine fear of straight people, sometimes depending on many situations or many like layers, but also, you know, a little bit of a judgment, a little bit of a frustration, right? Like, especially if they're dealing with someone who is homophobic. Absolutely. Um, it's obviously still not right. Obviously, it's a double-edged sword and we no one side should be judging the other. But I guess what I'm saying is just it just made a little more sense to me right off the bat. Yeah. But it also might be a little that might be a little bit of straight guilt too, right? Like, um, I just happen to identify as straight 
And that gives me a privilege that it doesn't give to you. Mm-hmm. And so that does introduce a little bit of like guilt in terms of, of course you guys are allowed to be scared or judgmental. Like we've, we've been horrible to you over the years. Like that kind of stuff sinks in for me a little bit. Yeah, that was my initial reaction. But obviously it happens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and the thing is, is that like, I really see your point too with the fear based of um, the queer community, you know, like have gone through so much already and so much like, like ostracization, ostracization. I think I said that right. You know. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Or just, you know, feeling discriminated against. But it's interesting because the first thought I had with heterophobia was people kind of, like gay people making fun of hetero relationships and making fun yeah. of like how it's just so um I, this is not I'm not quoting me obviously this is stuff I've heard people saying it's boring or it's like classic like even I've heard um people say like oh the classic like white picket fence Susie Mary's Bob like those things which are meant to be taken lightly as a joke right but I'm also like that's kind of that's heterophobic because this is another person's experience just like how you're having a gay experience if that's what you're having I think it comes down to stereotypes a lot of the time like those are stereotypes of straight relationships um like it's even easy for straight people to make fun of straight relationships because there are so many tropes that come up in, in so many, it's almost shocking like how many times you see something happen um, with a straight girl or a straight guy and you're like, yeah, of course, of course they did. Um, especially if they're white because then that brings in a whole other layer of stereotypes. Oh, like the classic white couple, white straight couple, um, uh, you know, living in the suburb or whatever it is. But that being said, the queer community has all sorts of stereotypes too, which have been have been used to by homophobic people historically, right? Putting stereotypes on the queer community in the exact same way you just described. So it's it's like it's 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 like a almost like a endless cycle. It's happening to both sides. And once again, as a, as someone who identifies as straight, I'm I almost feel like saying well, you guys can do that because we've done that for so many years, which I, I don't think that's a helpful argument. And I'm not I'm not making that argument. It's just kind of my first instinct as someone who does identify as straight, but who is an ally to the queer community and who has some moral compass. But um, I think it really just comes down to stereotypes in that case. Yeah. And, and no, I agree with you. I just think like, I just really do want us to get to a point where it doesn't, we don't even have to have those things. And I understand like not, nothing's going to be perfect in a perfect world. Everyone would be chilling with what you want to do, who you want to be with. Then maybe it doesn't even have to do with the sexuality aspect. People are going to judge others based on their decisions. Um, maybe they don't intend to do it maliciously, but we do. It's like ingrained in us to naturally judge people. And I've been telling you, I do this a lot with the unlearning process Um, where I really try to unlearn to let go of any past judgments that I may have like inherently had through the media growing up as a kid in Whitby, like things that I maybe held on to that maybe wouldn't be so the norm. And I'm using air quotes for the norm, but now, and it's very enlightening. And I think like we can dive into this later about the process of unlearning and maybe unlearning these phobias. But I find that 
would just be amazing to start everything with like a fresh slate because Mm -hmm. I get it. The LGBT community has been through a lot and I'm not, I'm not saying they haven't. Obviously I know they have been, and it's been through main, mainly straight people coming at them, actually harming them, physically hurting them, people getting killed. Like it's not a, a light subject, but I think it's just, we, it's 2021 now. And I just think we've come so far. And I think now if I maybe hear those comments, that's like that clear divide of the straight versus the LGBT community. I think I'm going to say something. I haven't said it before. I've heard it in the past and I didn't say anything, but I'm someone who has grown up with straight friends all my life. Yeah. I mean, I've had queer friends, but I feel like first me identifying as queer and being like, so excited to meet more queer friends. Whereas I have queer friends who only hang out with queer people. It's interesting. Yeah. And I have, I have so many straight people in my life and I just don't look at that any differently. Yeah, totally. I think like the only times I can really think of experiencing heterophobia has been just, I honestly can't think of a specific example, but I know there have been times where I'm with queer friends and I feel left out. And it's not necessarily anything they're doing, but it might be a comment someone said or kind of like Leah, like you mentioned before, like maybe a little joke, like a little, a little jab at, at the straight community. I'm, I think I'm fortunate to have never experienced any intense heterophobia, but um, I have felt, yeah, I guess left out or on the outside is maybe the best way to describe it. But then once again, in those moments of feeling that way, I'm like, well, my queer friends have to feel that way in so many scenarios. And I don't because I'm a white straight girl. I feel included in almost every scenario I'm in. So anyway, yeah, I think I think this one is just so interesting because there's a lot of guilt that comes up for me. Uh, not because I've done anything wrong per se, just, be, just being straight and being white comes with, I don't know if like, guilt is not the right word, but it just comes with a reflection. Reflection is the word I'm going to use, y'all. It's not guilt. It's reflection. It's like in almost every moment where I'm feeling maybe some heterophobia coming or I'm feeling kind of left out or whatever it is, or maybe I'm feeling like a little, even if I'm with black friends, like, oh, I'm feeling a little bit like um, on the outside. It's an immediate reflection that happens to be like, but that's how they feel. That's how they have to feel. It kind of diffuses the whole situation. I also would like to say that I think humor would be a really good tool to use here in order to smash this phobia moving forward. I think this is probably the best category where we can just bring in some lightheartedness. You know what I mean? Because a lot of, I think a lot of where heterophobia lies is in like poking jabs at straight people. And if we as straight people can just laugh at ourselves a little more, I think we already do. But if we could laugh at ourselves even more, the queer community is so good at that. The queer community is uses humor to a T. They're always like, they're like, we're going to be stronger than you and better than you because we are laughing at ourselves and we're acknowledging all these like stupid stereotypes that you guys are bringing up. So I think if we can just infuse more humor, you know what I mean? Like more lightheartedness into this specific phobia, we can start to just level the playing field a bit and lay down our weapons because at the end of the day, it's, it does come down to stereotypes and these stereotypes are kind of funny. I laugh at the straight, straight couple stereotypes. But that's what I wanted to say. Like no one's going to be like perfect. We're not all going to be like peachy, like 
don't be afraid to say anything. I think it's just, there's a certain way to do it where we don't need to be hurting someone. Cause I agree. I laugh at the lesbian stereotypes all the time. There's an account I follow called hot Mesbian on Twitter. It's so funny. It's like one of the tweets I actually really laughed at. Cause I was like, this is so relatable for gay girls where someone's mom asks you like, Oh honey, why aren't you friends with so-and-so anymore? And in capital letters, it's like, because she broke my heart, mom, just that whole thing. <laughs> where like, <laughs> we were never just friends. Like I was totally in love with this girl. Yeah. But anyway, like that's another stereotype. And I think I agree with you. I think stereotypes are funny, but they just have to be done tastefully and you're not hurting someone else. Because straight stereotypes are funny. I agree. I laugh at them and you laugh at them too. Totally. Yeah. I think this one is such a nuanced one. And yeah, have and not, it's funny that neither of us have ever really experienced it. I guess what I guess what I feel, and maybe this is just me as a straight perspective, is that this one feels the most manageable. This one to me feels like the one that we could smash. I don't I don't know why I feel that way. Maybe because I'm okay with the phobia being um, aimed towards me, but I'm not okay with it being aimed towards you, for example. Like you you know what I'm saying? Like maybe I'm like I can take it, but you don't dare say that to Persis, kind of thing. Um, but I don't know. This one feels just a little bit more like we could get through this one, guys. Um, as a, as the hetero community sounds weird to say, but the hetero community could, and the queer community could all stop, stop it. <laughs> no, no, for sure. And just kind of come together and just see like eye to eye on so many more things. I think once like we can bring these people together to just like talk and be cool and level with each other, it's not so separate those will start slowly start to go away. And I've even noticed that with my friends, even my straight male friends who, when I was younger, I would hear them say so many things, so many things. Oh my God. And I have a lot of straight male friends, truly. A lot of my um, best guy friends are usually straight and I don't know, but I find like the more I've opened up to them about my experiences, I was talking to my straight male friend today about dildos. <laughs> and and lesbian and sex strap-ons. and strap-ons but we were having the most hilarious combo about it because I was telling him a, whatever I'm gonna get candid on here but I was telling him <laughs> about the dildo like I purchased with the strap and he was like we were like I was like oh it's like a smaller it's like a smaller size though because you know your girl he was like well what 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 do you mean small like how big is it and then, and then he was getting insecure about like his size. And it was just, it was hilarious though. Cause we were both just like having so much fun. And after I'm like, he's a straight dude, but we were just having like the most open conversation about this stuff. I think the main thing that's going to come up for all of these phobias is like openness. Let's just talk about the stuff and put it out there in the open. And then that can hopefully diffuse all of these fears and judgments. I think also, I wonder if this increased fluidity happening in pop culture and in the world um, this idea of fluidity and how it's becoming more mainstream, I'm putting that in air quotes, um, I wonder if that might help as well because I think it um, takes away the idea that there's like this queer side and this straight side and that it's actually just one big spectrum. Once we kind of establish that idea, it's less likely that the queer community is going to be like, ha ha, hetero people, or the, the, or the straight community is going to be like, ha ha, gay people, um, because everyone's on a spectrum in some way. Absolutely. Um, which, which we believe on this podcast, but it's going to take some time for that to happen. But I think it's happening. It's just being introduced in the last few years. Mm -hmm. Amen, Sarah. Amen. Do you want to get into okay. biphobia? 
Let's do it. So biphobia is something that really bothers me because I feel like it's it's not one of those things that I feel like actually has been getting better. I feel like I still hear people even in the LGBTQ community have these um, assumptions about bisexual people. And you hear it in the hetero community as well of people not believing certain people when they say they're bi. I think a lot of that can go into they're experimenting, they're promiscuous, they can't make up their minds. Women who are bi are really just like straight and they just want to hook up with girls. But the men who are bi are secretly gay and they're using that as a mask to hide their gayness. It is mind-blowing to me, the double standard. It's so silly. And um, yeah, people don't get taken seriously when they're bi. And sometimes the media, I had noticed growing up when female pop stars or whoever who were coming out as bi, the media always would still just focus on like the hetero relationships. Like there was never any emphasis on like them being into women as well. Or if they were only dating men outwardly, it's like, oh, how bi is she? It's just, yeah, it's, it's, that's a good point. So biphobia, I think this one really hits home because I've, I've, um, seen firsthand you experiencing it. I've experienced both. Yeah. What do you mean bi and? No, I mean, well, I was going to say like, I've heard both things about biphobia for me. Like, I mean, I've heard that I'm only experimenting and I really like guys or the opposite. Oh, you're really, you're just gay. And you're, I've actually heard it both. Like I've heard someone tell me I'm using it as a mask because I'm actually secretly gay. And then I, Mm -hmm. oh, Persis, no, you'll end up with a guy. I think you're just experimenting. Heard both. Yeah. Okay. Got you. Yeah. So I've, and I've seen both of those prejudices being forced on you. And I have even, like we talked about in previous episodes, I've had those thoughts when we were first living together and you were kind of figuring things out and you were, you identified as bisexual, but it, I was like, it seems clear to me that Persis likes girls more. And there was a level of me trying to, trying to put you into one of the categories, which we've talked about and I've had to unlearn and it's all good now, but I feel like this one stems from like a lot of insecurity. And if I'm thinking about the straight perspective and guys, I am not a straight man, but if I had to put myself into the mind of a straight man, I could see there being an insecurity of a woman saying basically like your dick isn't good enough. Listen, I know how ridiculous that sounds, but I'm just trying to get into the head of someone who who has biphobia. Or looking at a man who is bisexual and being like, they're experiencing something that I'm missing out on and I'm threatened by that. And so I'm going to, I'm going to hate on it. Almost like a FOMO happens there, like an insecurity of like, am I missing out on something? I could be so wrong. Straight guys, if you're listening, like holler at me if it doesn't make any sense. But I'm, when I think about this phobia, I'm wondering if it comes from a place of just insecurity on both sides. It's like it. Honestly, sexual insecurity and not just men, but straight women too, right? Like if I found out my boyfriend was bisexual, there'd be a ton of insecurity there. You really? Um, really? I, I think so. Oh. Like in terms of, I wouldn't be judgmental of him being bisexual at all, but I would have insecurity in terms of like, am I not enough for you? And 
that's all internal. But then I think what matters is how you take that internal insecurity and you put it out into the world. And that's when biphobia happens. I think it stems from a ton of other stuff. But just when thinking about this one, insecurity came up for me. I was like, I wonder if that's a big part of it. Wow. No, that's interesting to me. I, because what I would always try to explain when I really did identify as bi at the time, I was seeing a guy when I was 19. That was the first time I told him I was bi. He, it, it just, and he was cool with it. I'm not saying he was biphobic, but I think the insecurity part played where he was like, oh, okay. And then he was like, then he turned it into a situation. And like I said, I'm all about, if you're open, you're open, cool. But him and I weren't at a point to be like, he basically was trying to use it as, oh, okay, well, great. Like if you ever wanted to bring someone else in, I know you'd be like into mm. you. And listen, I'm not opposed to that, but me being at 19 at the time and him and I were just seeing each other. I was like, that's not the point of me telling you I'm bi though. Like I just started seeing you. That doesn't mean I'm trying to right now at this moment in time be like, oh, just so you know, then we can like bring women into the situation. And that's fine. I'm not saying that's wrong, but when I first came no, out- No, but it, for, for it to- for it to go there right away yeah, yeah. is just like such a straight guy thing to do. That was heterophobia. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, like, I mean, yeah, I guess if we're going to say it, it kind of like was a straight guy thing to do because I was like, like I said, if that became a conversation, cool. But you're kind of taking it away because I, I had opened up to him about a girl I really liked. And I remember I had a picture, this is kind of funny, I had a picture of her on my <laughs> dresser because I have had pictures of my high school friends. And he was like, oh, like that was the girl. Uh, yeah. That, he was like, oh, that was the girl you like really liked. I was like, yeah, like I, t- I really, really liked her. And he's like, oh, she's hot. And I was like, oh my God. I know. And that's the thing. That's kind of where it comes into like, dude, I was just trying to open up to you about this. And then you, you, I kind of felt a little um, not taken seriously. That kind of made me think like, you're just saying, he wasn't like validating like the feelings I actually had for women. It was more like, oh, great, check mark. She's sexually attracted to women. Cool, something to consider. Maybe he wasn't thinking that, but that's the vibe I got. I think you bring up a really good point. And this is a good time to probably talk about the biphobia you've experienced. And I think almost all of it has been people not taking you seriously. I've heard it from family members, like extended family members, kind of almost saying like, oh, okay, well, hopefully like she'll like end up with a guy. Very much more like, oh, maybe she's experimenting. I'd heard it from friends to say like, oh, I don't, I don't think you actually really like women. And I, because at that time, I don't think, I had only really experienced feelings for one person really strongly, but I don't think I even, I wish I could go back in time and know exactly everything I maybe expressed to people, but people had said like, oh, I don't think you are. I think you, you, you seem like the type who'd be into men. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. First of all, you're saying this, but what does it mean that I seem like the type that would be into men? And then years down the road, when I still identified as bi up until 23 or 20, 20, 24, I heard the opposite because I was really seeing women and was so excited about seeing women consistently. And then I heard, oh, she's a lesbian. She's definitely a lesbian. And listen, that's not anyone's story to tell but mine. Like, I wasn't ready to come out as openly queer, as a queer woman who is much more sexually attracted to women. That's how I identify now. I wasn't ready then. So why are you telling me that when I'm still figuring it out? Because all those feelings were new for me too. When I was experiencing those wild, crazy feelings for the girl I was seeing at that time or girls I'd been going on dates with, 
it wasn't like I knew in my head right away, like certain, I was still like, I don't know. This is all so new to me, but I love it. But when you hear someone else telling you what you are, it's, it sucks. Like, it's not fun. It's not a fun feeling. So why do you think biphobia exists? Like, why do you think that people who love you, um, the closest people in your life, it, for, the, for the most part, and then some people who, were, who weren't that close to you, why do you think they felt so compelled to tell you who you are, who you liked, or who you loved? The, okay, so the first one I do want to tackle is the uh, when they were saying I was just like experimenting. To be honest, I don't really understand where that came from. I think that comes from a general stereotype of women who are bi, who maybe you know, I kiss girls at parties. And like I said, I wasn't really expressing my feelings about women to, or to the one woman at the time, to my friends. And like I said, I really think it comes along with the femme, me coming off as femme. Um, and that's what we learn in the media. Unfortunately, women are really sexualized, especially femme women. So I think that's what had come off <clears throat> in the beginning there. With the guys, I think it was, it was mainly coming from guys I was like dating or would go on a date with. I was always very open about my bisexuality. But they would always be like, oh, okay, but I think you should, you would like one more, one more than the other. And I think that came from an insecurity thing. I'm pretty sure about that. The second one where people were telling me I was like a lesbian, <laughs> I think that actually did come from a good place. I don't, because I can, I know all of the people who told me that. They were all very close people to me. And I think that was just them trying to help me and trying to be like, I don't know why you're wasting your time dating men or going on dates with men when, because if I'm going to get specific, when I was seeing a girl and it wasn't like monogamous, I wasn't seeing other girls other than her. I would go on dates with guys, but my feelings for her were just very strong and any, nothing I'd ever felt before um, that was consistent. And so I'd heard people say, then why are you like, going on dates with guys, like maybe you should really explore this because maybe it's not really just her. Maybe you're just like really into women. And I think it came from a place of love. I don't think it came from a place of judgment in that regard. Like what's the part of that that felt like biphobia to you? Like I, I agree. I think it did come from a place of love and a place of genuinely trying to help you. But why did it end up feeling like biphobia? I, I think that falls into biphobia because it's like it's still, it's taking away like what I've like been telling everyone from the get-go. Like I had always been, I was really trying to figure out like my attraction to men. It was confusing for me. So confusing for so many years because I was having crushes on guys. And then I, when I'd get intimate, there was like something that just didn't feel right. And at the time earlier, when I'd moved in with you, I hadn't been completely intimate with a guy. Uh, I hadn't had sex with a man. So like, I didn't know. I was kind of like, I don't know. I don't really know what I'm getting into. So let me like figure it out. I was really trying to figure it out. That's why what I still identified as bi and people were coming at me and telling me these things. That's where the biphobia comes in because I was like, I'm still figuring this out. Truly, it's not like I was secretly hiding, like I'm, I'm secretly a lesbian and I'm only going to say I'm bi to like make things easier. No, like throughout that entire time, I was still trying to figure it out because I would feel romantic attractions towards men. But I knew I would almost be like over it very quickly. Like if we're even going to talk about my first sec like real sexual experience, real LOL with quotations, but the first time. With the man, with the man. I was, I noticed I wouldn't get like, I just didn't care. I was like, oh, okay. Like that was fine. I didn't have any of those like 
those thoughts about it after. It almost seemed like I just didn't care. And I was like, is this what it feels? Is this what it is? And then the first time I slept with a girl. Fireworks. No, for real. It was, it was very much an aha moment. And I became very, I was very into her. And I don't want to say like obsessed. I think obsessed is a little aggressive, but I definitely became crazy about her. Like I, it was almost (laughs) like those feeling. (laughs) Sarah, you're laughing. When someone says, I don't want to say obsessed, they mean they were obsessed. You know what I'm saying? I was young. I was, I was young. I've been there, girl. I've been there. But I was going to say, like, I still identified at the time as bi when I had slept with this woman for the first time. And yeah, it was just different. It was just a different, different feeling. Like I just noticed, and I, it still took me a few years to figure that out until I realized like, you know what, this is, this is what I want. This is all I want. And I'm happy. Like I got to that conclusion. But I'm glad I also tried to figure it out because I was very open to the fact that like maybe I could also meet a really nice guy. It just wasn't, I knew something was just missing despite the guy being great. Some of the guys were actually really great. The guys I went on dates with or had like situationships with whatever it was. It sounds like what you're saying is that type of biphobia for you was a judgment. It was judging your process and that felt that felt uncomfortable, that felt invalidating. It felt uncomfortable. Like I said, I felt like everyone was secretly just kind of saying like, oh, she's just secretly into girls. So why is she even entertaining guys? I would never do anything I didn't want to do. I won't go along with something I don't want to do. Yeah. I mean, as your roommate, there were multiple, multiple times where you were like, I just don't want to go on this date with girls and guys. And you would either, you would either cancel or you'd follow through and see how it went. But you, there were, I've seen you excited for a date with a guy many times. Um, and and very emotionally invested in men as well. So I think I think seeing that so closely, um, yeah, it was nice to see that up close because then I was able to be like, well, she's having experiences in both genders. Like they might be different experiences, but they're still experiences. We could probably write a list of men I have cried over. But at the end of the day, <laughs> I think I just, there's different forms of love what Sarah and I have talked about before. There's different forms of love and infatuation and nothing is just so set in stone. And I think I just got to a point where I was like, the love I envision for myself is with a woman and that's what I want at this moment in my life. And I'm happy to say that. It goes into fluidity. Like people are allowed to like two genders. Some, for some reason, people still don't think bisexuality is a real thing, that you can only really love one or the other. Exactly what I had heard. No, that you can like you can like two genders. And also, I know you mentioned this, Sarah, where you were saying um, if you found out your boyfriend was bi, you would feel this insecurity. Not that you'd have a problem with him being bi, but you'd feel, well, what am I not providing? But I think we need to look at it as it doesn't have to do with that. It doesn't even have to do with the gender because at the time when I identified as bi, I was just, it's who I liked, who to, who I connected with, who I had that energy exchange with. Yeah, and sorry, I should probably clarify it. When I said that I'd be insecure, I was thinking of it in the way that I was imagining that my boyfriend was bi and wanted to explore that. That's when I would become insecure just because I am a little bit more of a monogamous person. The bisexuality part of it, I truly don't think it would bother me at all. Like if I met a guy and they were like, I'm bisexual, I'd be like, that's cool. 
no no problems but i i was thinking of that in the way of like we're already together and then he says i'm bi and i want to explore that that's when i would start to have some insecurities just because of our, my personality and and our relationship but the insecurity would still be there and i think when it comes to biphobia a lot of this is just it's it's, it's about sex and it's about insecurity no, no, I totally agree. Did you pointing get my at points me. from me pointing at you through the screen? Yes, I did. I felt that. How can we, as queer people and allies, help other people understand why they should be more open to it? And I don't know what the answer to this question is, and I'm not saying that you should have one either, that it's so easy for you and me to be like, just let people be happy. But it obviously isn't that easy for other people. And I feel like maybe education it, like literal, literal school curriculum might be a place to start in terms of introducing bisexuality to kids sooner and gender fluidity as well so that we're not so geared towards whether someone likes a girl or a guy and, and why. And then I think media representation could be a big one here as well. I think that there, there definitely are examples of bisexuality in media, but there could be way more and maybe more of it could help people understand better if they're watching a Netflix show in their living room and they see something they haven't seen before. It might change their thinking without ever having to listen to a podcast like this or have a bisexual person explain it to them. Um, I wonder if I wonder if some things like that might be helpful in getting people to wrap their heads around the fact that they can just let someone be happy and they don't have to worry about it. We're on our way there. And I think media, I think more than education right now in this moment, because I actually don't really know what's happening in like the school systems and what kids are being taught. But I think, like you just said, kids soak up a lot of media and we're seeing it in shows now. And like we said a million times, like, oh my God, if this show existed when I was younger, oh, amazing. So I think mm-hmm. it's it's getting there and we just, you need to be putting out that representation because it's important. People need representation to feel seen. We've established that. Yes, and we'll keep establishing it until you guys stop us. And even then, we might still. If you want us to stop, just tell us to stop. Okay, Purse, I'm excited for this next phobia only because it is so near and dear to you. <laughs> and it's near and dear to our our hearts as ex-wives. Ex- ex-wives, yeah. But I guess femphobia and lesbophobia mixed together is this one yeah well because i think it kind of goes like it's not only i wanted to reiterate the reason why i put the two two of them together is it's not that femme lesbians are the only ones who experienced any phobias towards them lesbians experiencing experience it too whether they're more androgynous femme presenting it doesn't really matter i guess i just really relate to the femme phobia because i've heard so many things that like shake shake me to my core where I'm like where does this come out of your mouth like I don't understand it I've 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 heard (laughs) I don't know why that struck me as funny okay go on because it shook me I'm shook it shook you yeah okay yeah oh that's I've heard that's too bad oh that's so sad she she likes women that's sad wow I mean it's it's heartbreaking really I've heard uh, oh, she's too pretty to be gay. Heard that. I don't know what that means because mm-hmm. I don't know what it means to be too pretty. And by pretty, I, I take it as like feminine. Um, Persis, don't you mean that or don't you know that to be a lesbian, you have to be 
hideous. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that, but I'm really glad. Don't you know? I'm really glad you told me. I just wanted to, because you didn't understand what they meant by that. I just wanted to kind of explain a little bit, fill in the blanks. Um, You can't be pretty and be a lesbian at the same time. It, It doesn't make any sense because if you're pretty, then you, that means that you only like men. Yes, exactly. I like to get dolled yeah. up for my man. My man's. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm glad you understand. I just wanted to explain that a little further for you. Okay, thank you. We talked about this before, but you look like the type who would be into men. So I think that goes along with like, <sighs> I've heard that from girls I've kissed. I've heard that from girls I've dated. What does that mean, y'all? I was surprised you were into men. I mean, <laughs> I was surprised you were into women. That one feels the most subconscious to me. That one is the most like, People have these inherent uh, preconceptions about people and then sometimes like the surprise just comes out before they can just move on. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just saying like that one feels the most subconscious whereas the other ones are just like complete disregard for your whole experience as a queer person. I agree with you. Especially from a girl that you're dating. Yeah. And the thing is, is that um, because I was still very new into dating women, I would just get – I was – I'll be honest, I was really just excited because it was giving me a feeling that I hadn't really experienced before. So I held on to it and I can reflect on that now and look at it as a lesson and be like, oh my goodness, thank God it didn't work out because now I know. Now I can look at it without the rosy sunglass, rosy glasses. Yeah. The rosy glasses. Rose colored glasses. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Same, same. Same, same, same. Now I can look at it without the rose-colored glasses and be like, yeah, of course that wouldn't have worked out. I wouldn't be 25-year-old now still dating that woman because I know what I'm looking for in a character and that's not what I want. Not that she's a bad person. It's just we weren't vibing in that way. For anyone who's listening and who is like, what's femme? Can you explain what femme means and what femphobia is? Yeah, so... If we're, we were going to, my definition of femme would be a woman who's into women who is just a little bit more feminine presenting, you know, so likes to wear makeup, maybe likes to wear like feminine clothes, likes to get done up, enjoys that kind of stuff. I enjoy it. I like doing my makeup. I usually actually do my makeup every day. I wouldn't say the clothes I wear all the time are necessarily maybe the most stereotypically like femme. I kind of like to change it up. I like to wear sometimes my bike shorts and a massive t-shirt with Converse, or I might wear something a little cuter, like high-waisted jeans with like a nice top. Um, Oh, oh. She's she's feeling flirty. She's feeling flirty. Oh. I've always identified as femme, I think mainly more in the way I, I like to get done up. I also just want to mention really quick, if you hadn't listened to our sixth episode in the In Case You Missed It segment, we talked about Demi Lovato coming out as queer, and she talks about specifically her hair. And I think hair is a big thing here. There is a stereotype of lesbians where they have short hair, and that's existed since like I feel like the 80s, 90s is when that kind of started to like become a thing. <clears throat> but purse, you've always had long, like luscious hair. And I think that is a really common, like, I don't know, as soon as a woman has long hair, it's like they're instantly more feminine. So I just wanted to mention that uh, hair is a really like important aspect of this, which is kind of interesting and weird to think about. Um, and it might not be the first thing that you think of, but a lot of women, even if even if they don't dress feminine, even if they don't wear makeup, if they have long hair, they're instantly seen as a bit more femme. And someone might be surprised that they're into women. 
That's true, actually. Yeah, the hair and Demi's comments about that too. Like the hair, hair is a big part of our identity. You know, if I chopped off all my hair right now, Sarah, people might not consider me femme anymore. If I'm wearing like bike shorts and a big t-shirt mm-hmm. and I have like a buzz cut, you wouldn't look at me and be like, she's femme, but it's true. It's because I wear my hair down, I curl it, I have my makeup done, and then I'm wearing like maybe an outfit that's not the most feminine, but people would probably still consider me like a very feminine looking person probably. Yeah. The, even if you had, if you um, shaved your head or even cut your hair really, really short, and then you wore a ton of makeup and like a really cute outfit, people would still be less surprised that you were into women. You know what I mean? Like hair is such a big aspect of it. It's so strange. True, true. Um, but what exactly is femphobia then? I look at it as more judgment than more than fear of feminine presenting people. Maybe there's a fear. Actually, no, fear does tie into this. And I'm going to explain why. So I see the judgment because one, like we just talked about, oh, I'm, I, didn't, I wouldn't have thought you'd be into women. You're already judging the fact that because of the way I look, you're already guessing my sexual orientation. You're already assuming that I'm the type who would be into men just based on the way I look. There's a mm-hmm. fear that I also think a lot of lesbians sometimes feel when they're dating a femme woman is that they're going to leave them for a guy. And it's because a lot of feminine women who could be identifying as lesbian could will still get hit on by guys at the bar. And that becomes a fear. I've never thought of it that way. And let's say, listen, it's been a while since your girl has been out to a bar, but if I, <laughs> I basically came out as queer I miss it. during the pandemic. So now when I get hit on, if I, when I get hit on, like I'm so confident, if I get hit on. <laughs> my- <laughs> guys, I can vouch for this. Persis gets hit on all the time. I'm just going to vouch for that right now. We'll see. You do. Happens. Okay. Okay. You're getting, all, you're getting all nervous, but you do. I'm getting a little nervous. And it makes hot. me jealous every time I get jealous. But now knowing who I am and how I identify, if a man I hit on me at the bar, I would be comfortable telling him, listen, like, no, I'm not interested. Like I'm, I'm into women. I would say that, but I could imagine, cause I've heard this from other lesbians that can really raise a fear for lesbians when they're out with their feminine presenting woman, they're dating. It, it can cause maybe not that they admit, don't trust the person. Cause I actually, I don't think we can speak for that. I think that kind of just depends on the relationship and what they have, but it happens a lot. And then, or there's guys who just are like, oh no, no. Really? Or is this just a is this just a way to like get out of trying to date me? Are you just saying you're gay because you don't want to date me? That's another thing. They don't take the feminine girl seriously when they're saying I'm into women. Yeah, once again, not being taken seriously comes up. Don't you think that insecurity is similar to the insecurity I brought up with the if if my boyfriend said he wanted to explore his bisexuality? Mm-hmm. It's all an insecurity of like Am I not good enough? But there's also a layer of gender. There's a there's a layer of gender in that the two genders are different in terms of like their anatomy. So like I, I think there is a layer of like insecurity around gender there. Yeah, no, you're right. There there is. There is that insecurity about gender. And I've never actually been very jealous of uh, a gender, which is I think why when I told you, I was like, oh, it you really just have to trust that they're into the person because I've actually never dated a lesbian, but to be honest, I was never concerned about them having an attraction to males too. It was never like, oh, but do they just like guys better that they'll leave me? I was always like, 
no, like if they like me, they'll like me. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna compare the gender, but that's just me. I, I've always been that way. I just never, I never would compare, but I think a lot of people do. That's why a lot of lesbians get nervous about dating bisexuals. Yeah. And I think, I feel like we're kind of harping back to biphobia a bit here. And I think the interesting thing about biphobia and femphobia honestly, all these phobias, is that they exist within the queer community. We're not we're not just saying that like heterosexual people have these phobias and they need to stop having them. They exist in all communities because the queer community is so intersectional, which we've talked about before. There are different groups of people in the queer community that judge each other and that misunderstand each other. And that's a perfect example is a lesbian girl not wanting to date a bisexual girl because she's nervous that she's just going to flip-flop. But within the community, I'm also wondering if a gay man would be nervous to date a bisexual man because there's the possibility, like, would he would he fall for a woman? I, for so, I, I feel like this doesn't make sense. But when I think about starting to date someone who off the top is like, I'm bisexual, a man saying I'm bisexual off the top of our experience together, for some reason that doesn't make me as, that doesn't make me nervous. But... Someone I'm already with who I thought identified as straight suddenly saying, I'm act- I haven't told you, but I'm bisexual and I want to explore it. That makes me more nervous. I feel like that doesn't make sense, but that's what I'm feeling right now. So I wanted to express it. No, no, I think that makes sense, Sarah, because, because you already kind of said to me and to the audience in the world. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I forget we're talking to like the public here. <laughs> no, I'm happy you brought this up because I think that makes total sense. If you went on a date with a dude and he goes, Hey, you know, you'll probably talk about past dating experience. You're not dating the guy yet. But if you're, if he says I'm bi in your head, you're like, okay, cool. But when you're already dating someone who you thought of as straight, and then he eventually comes out to you and says, I'm bi. I think those insecurities would come up for you if it comes out later, because if he expresses, I want to explore. And if you're monogamous, then that's an issue. I think that's the issue of being like, well, I'm a monogamous person, so I'm a little nervous because I know you want to explore and I want to give that to you. But how much are you willing to do that? It just, I think it depends on the relationship. Yeah, I think it's more of like a monogamy, a monogamy question. But I guess why, why, I'm, why I'm conflicted about this feeling I'm having is like, just because I meet a guy and he tells me right off the top that he's bi doesn't mean that he's not going to want to explore you know what I mean? So so I wonder why that makes me less nervous. Maybe because I'm not committed to him yet. Maybe if he's already telling you he's bi before you're committed, in your head, and you're entering a monogamous relationship with him later, let's just say, in your head, you're probably thinking, oh, he's already experienced this stuff. But if your straight boyfriend comes out to you a year and tells oh. you, oh, Sarah, I don't know, I've been having these feelings, I'm going to assume he hasn't experienced it. And then you know where the insecurity comes in there is like, that's even more of a feeling of I'm not good enough because I'm so not good enough that in our committed relationship, you've had to realize that you want more. Oh, yeah, you're right. Man, I, I really think so many of these phobias come from our own insecurities. Trying to have some level of understanding of where this comes from. I actually think this one comes from a very uh, subconscious, but more so like ingrained place. Like, People have an idea of how women are supposed to look and it's related to a man and it's related to sex and it's really hard to unlearn those things because they are instantly, when you're, when you're two years old and you're watching Little Mermaid, 
And Little Mermaid looks a certain way and she gives up her voice just so that she can get the attention of the prince. We're just taught it so quickly and it it's instantly just instilled. And so I'm not excusing femphobia, but I do think that this one is like a societal issue geared towards all women and then femme presenting queer people have to suffer the consequences. Oh yeah. And um, in the case where I experienced it like very heavy when, like I said, the girl I was literally seeing told me that like so verbatim and it was really, I acted like it wasn't a big deal, but that really affected me. Um, And when I confronted her about it after, so in a sober setting, because we were at like a, we were at a show um, and she still stood by it. She was like, no, that's just how I feel. And I'm like, and then later I was like, I think she was just projecting. I think she was projecting. It's all learning experience. We honestly, we all live and we learn. I never look at something as like, I don't have regrets. I think it lasted for as long as it did, but we, we all move forward and we learn. Truly, that was a learning experience for me. So Purse, how can we smash this femphobia? What can we do? More representation, you already said. Love that one. Yeah, which I think we're getting. Thank God. Um, cause I can talk, talk about think, so many femme queer women. I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. me too, me too. And like, even just, even, um, since we started the pod, I feel like I've been a lot more engaged with like queer social media and I'm seeing so much femme representation and even you purse, like you are a part of that as well. You're an inspiration for the people. <laughs> for the femme girls? No, for everyone. Just for everyone. I love it. I want you to inspire be. me every day. You inspire me every day. I do? Mm-hmm. What do you is actually, about me that inspires you? Your go-getter personality. Yeah, no one calls me that except for you. It's like your term for me, and I love that compliment. There's something about go-getter that makes me feel so warm and fuzzy inside, so please keep calling me a go-getter because it really warm and fuzzy. Yeah, I get the warm and fuzzies in different places. Like when I say that word, it, that's, that's a very, uh, that's very um, specific. I'm trying to be as specific as possible for the listeners. Are you trying to flirt with me? No, I never flirt with you on this podcast or ever or ever. Ever. Remember when we kissed? We never kissed. No, no, we we did, Sarah. No, we didn't. When? <laughs> we, we did. <laughs> um, When we first moved in together, not like it wasn't like a romantic situation, obviously. Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, what? I don't, I don't remember. You don't? <laughs> I no, remember. Purse. I remember purse. because- What are you talking about? I'm not making this up because we first moved in together. It's not like I was like, oh, I have a crush on Sarah. I just, like, we kissed because Fabio- you did. <laughs> yeah. Fabio and Bruno asked us to kiss and we kissed. <laughs> you don't remember? Well, I- Oh my god, no, I'm sorry. Was this at the bar or was it at their house? The house. It wasn't like a crazy, it was a peck. It was literally a peck. We were like... I always thought it was a funny thing that we had never kissed. I I always thought that was like a funny tidbit about this whole situation. No, I'm sorry. But I'm wrong. We kissed once. Was that not memorable enough for you? No. Persis! (laughs) I'm offended. I wasn't memorable for you. Yeah, because I literally forgot it. <laughs> yeah, but we know my memory. I have the worst. I'm like a goldfish. No, it's not that I wasn't memorable. I think that I, I don't, like I said, I only really remember the kisses where like I have like feelings, right? Like I have. Yeah, totally. 
you know what? It's fine. Let's just like move on from this topic because I'm starting to get upset. <laughs> Welcome to Girl on Girl where Persis and Sarah got in a fight because Persis didn't think the kiss was memorable enough. Aren't my lips soft and supple? I think it was... <laughs> I think it was like a good kiss. Is that a word? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to tell my boyfriend that he didn't like my, my kissies. I'm not going to say it was kissies. It was a kiss. Purse, it was kissies, plural. Ew. Just let's tell people. Ew. I don't like saying that. Oh my God. I thought you were saying ew to kissing me more than once. <laughs> I was like, I'm, le- I'm signing off. <laughs> Talk, talk to no. you never. You have, you girl have... on girl ends today. Let's get into transphobia, Sarah. Okay. I am super excited to dive into a bunch of episodes that are specifically geared towards the trans community because I think that it's maybe the most underrepresented and the most misunderstood. And I would, as someone who identifies as straight, would love to understand it even more and dive into it and like learn um, and unlearn. But... Have you ever experienced or seen, um, more so, I guess, have you ever seen any transphobia? Mm, around me. I'm really lucky mm-hmm. to know, like, I don't associate myself in a circle of people who are transphobic people. I've been really, really, really lucky in that sense. But when I went to Humber, I became friends with a transgender man. And he would just tell me about his experiences and, like, the discriminatory feelings he would get from like his friends and family but him and I like he'd also come so far at that point that I was like I I was just like I don't know you're I just see you as you and who you identify as and I'm happy that you are who you are and you identify as a man and you are so much more comfortable in your skin people just like being afraid I think they're just afraid of what is out of their world and then this was also in 2016 so we've evolved since then but it's always the fear of the unknown yeah I think this phobia to me feels the most like a phobia. There's something about the reality of being trans that really scares people. Like it really brings up fear. And I'm honestly not sure exactly what that fear is. And I would love, first of all, I would love to speak to a trans person on this podcast and get their perspective on everything, everything from A to Z and beyond. But I would also love to speak to, um, a straight person who has questions about the trans community. I don't want to give a platform to anyone who's hateful, but I would love to hear someone's perspective who is just curious and maybe confused and genuinely open to understand a bit more, but still is confused and perhaps has questions. I think that would be an interesting conversation to have as, I mean, um, purse. it's easy for us to fall into a rabbit hole of like, everyone be happy and love everyone and why does everyone care so much because we don't have um these outright confusions but um this one just feels fear-based for me it feels like people feel like their gender is threatened by someone else deciding that they don't identify as it or maybe just to say like oh this doesn't make sense to me why don't you just like be what you were born as you know, like, yeah, we've, we've talked, we talked on the labels episode about how when people don't understand things, it creates an insecurity and that insecurity creates fear. And then the fear can spiral really quickly into hatred. Um, and I think that's maybe where this, um, 
is strongest in all the phobias we've talked about is like it's hard for people to wrap their heads around gender in general and then someone identifying as a different gender than what they were born is like this whole other concept that they for some reason it's unfathomable to them and they don't understand it and so then they get scared of it and then they are judgmental it just makes me really sad because I almost just want to like shake that person who's feeling judgmental and be like well what if you woke up and you were like I don't feel like I'm in my own like I don't feel authentic in my body right now it's like it's always like you want to put that person in like the other person's shoes like imagine waking up and being like I just I don't feel like me and I wonder if like if we're talking about how we can maybe smash this phobia and I think this one is to me feels like it's going to take the longest to to because the conversation has just started like fairly recently in the last like few decades if not the last 5 years and um in terms of representation we're just starting to get representation in the media but I wonder if one of the solutions is finding ways to put people in transgender shoes um, non-trans people into transgender shoes. And, and I don't know what that looks like, but picture yourself as, as the gender you identify as, okay, guys? Like, picture yourself, like, I'm going to picture myself as a woman and then picture that you are forced to wear clothes that are stereotypically meant for the opposite gender. So I'm picturing myself wearing, like, big boxers, baggy jeans, and, like, a big T-shirt that doesn't show my curves, I don't really have that many curves, but let's pretend. You got curves, baby. Oh, thank you so much. And just picture the discomfort, the general discomfort, the feeling of something being kind of wrong. Just picture that. Just sit in that for a second. If you guys do identify as a certain gender, just feel it. I can literally feel the discomfort I would feel if I was wearing, if I had to wear like boxers and jeans out in the world. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is, I'm just using this as a, clo- a clothing example. There's, there are many different facets to gender stereotypes, but <laughs> try, I'm trying to be as inclusive as possible. And now picture that you could wear the clothes that you feel most comfortable in and just put on, put on the clothes you feel most comfortable in, put them on in your mind and just feel how cozy and, and comfy you feel. If you can picture that feeling, maybe you can understand a bit more. I think that's a perfect example because I even think back to the In Case You Missed It when we talked about Elliot Page's story and how when he was being fitted into the into the wardrobe of like tight-fitting clothes, like female-specific clothes, and he was like, something doesn't feel right. I feel uncomfortable. I don't feel good. That That's huge. And you know what? I was going to bring up a lot of us feel good when we're wearing clothes that like we feel good in. I have those days oh my God, all the time where I'll have a new outfit and I look and I'm like, oh, I feel good. I'm feeling great. Yes. And I am able to operate in my life. I think that's a big part of, I think one thing a lot of them feel is I'm unable to go about my daily life because once again, using the clothing example, I'm imagining going out into the world wearing like big boxers and big baggy jeans and like a big t-shirt and feeling so uncomfortable that I can't really perform at my job the way I want to. And I can't really have, you know, intimate conversations with my friends like I want to because I'm feeling uncomfortable. I'm feeling not confident. I can't go on a date because I'm not, I'm feeling, I don't know, not like myself. And so I think that brings in this whole other layer of like, can you operate in your life at full capacity if you don't feel like yourself? The core of it is be you 
And I know, I, I think I'm, I'm being that girl who's just saying like, it's so easy, be happy, be you, support other people. But when I think of that, when I think of someone who doesn't ident- identify as the gender that was placed on their birth certificate, you know, I'm not feeling like I'm a woman. I'm not feeling like I'm a man. I think we should normalize as a society, and I actually already see it now um, on my TikTok, I really do, of parents actually asking their children, do you feel like a boy or a girl? What do you feel like? And it was so cute. Oh, I love that. It was the cutest video of, um, I don't know how she identifies, she, but she was looked like a little girl. She was probably like four years old. The mom just told her, honey, what do, you, what do you feel like? And the girl was like, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like a boy because I like to play in the dirt and I like to play soccer. But then sometimes <laughs> I feel like a girl because I like to play with my dolls and I like to do like, but she was just, the conversation Aww. was so open. And the mom was like, yeah, be what you want to be. She's like, you don't have to identify as um, a girl or a boy, What be what you want. And then the girl's like, Okay. It was such a sweet, wholesome conversation and just so open. And I think that's how we should be talking to our kids. Like Sarah, that's how we should talk to our kids. Our children that we had together. Yeah. Crimea River. Crimea and River. (laughs) Guys, I don't think we've ever, we've ever said this, but me and Purse decided if we ever had kids, I would name mine Crimea and Purse would name hers River. And that's the end of the joke. Did you guys like it? This kind of ties into our how to kind of smash transphobia and to make people feel like they're so scared of the unknown or what they see as the unknown is normalize it. I think for most trans stories that we hear, the person has realized that they're trans when they're young, typically around the age where they're being forced into some sort of like societal norm or sexual identity is when they're like, oh, I don't really feel this way or even earlier. But I think parenting is a big part of this. Curriculums in school keeps coming up. And like we said, we don't know what the school curriculums are right now. I actually, there's someone I know who's a teacher and I asked them about their curriculum and they said that there wasn't much. Every school board is different, but I would love to do a whole episode on like maybe even interviewing a few teachers or something and talking about school curriculum and teaching kids about LGBT. That same teacher that I was talking to was also considering doing um, a, a separate course on their own about how to teach LGBTQ identifying students. So these pro- these programs are there for teachers to learn, um, but they also need to be there for parents to learn as well and for students to learn. Everyone needs to learn. I think, not to backtrack too much, but I just wanted to mention like some aspects of transphobia. I think washrooms are a big thing that come into play when it comes to transphobia. It's like people are scared of a trans man coming into the male washroom or a trans woman coming into the female washroom. And then and then um, gender neutral washrooms scares a lot of people for that same reason. Don't know. I don't know what, why. What's going on there? I think it's a, I think it's a sex thing. I think a lot of this comes down to sex. Like, I don't know, women being threatened by men, or I honestly don't know. That's that's a tough one for me to unpack. Really, I'm like, can we all grow up? But well, that's what it comes down to, Sarah. It's like, can we grow up? I just don't really understand the discomfort. I know, like, who cares if there's a penis peeing next to me? You know what I'm saying? Like the washrooms thing is big, right? And I love, yeah. you know, I love gender neutral bathrooms. It's just a toilet and a stall. It's private. Give me a private um, bathroom. What else is involved with transphobia? There's a lot of, there's a lot of like 
violence towards trans people. I think they're maybe the part of the queer community that has the most violence put against them. I think we've talked about this in a recent episode, especially for um, black trans women. Um, so, so when I think of all these phobias, this one feels the most violent. This one feels the most, there's just a lot of fear happening here from both sides. If I, if I identified as trans, I would fear for my life regularly and for my mental health and for my family and for my friends. Like I, there's just a lot of fear involved because of how trans people are depicted and how they're treated. But I don't know, I guess I kind of want to reiterate, like I am just so not the expert in this area and I'm really just talking from what I've heard, from what I've heard and what I've learned so far. But I, I would love to have a trans person on to talk about this from a first person perspective. Me too. And we'll make that happen. We'll absolutely make that yeah, happen. Yeah, we will. I think all we can do as people who are on the outside and we're allies for that, I think it's kind of just like, we need to keep educating and we need to just make sure that there's more like love and support and there should just be no reason for this type of prejudice. Yeah. I yeah. I think education here is big. I think parenting is big and just talking about it more. Out of all these phobias, I feel like trans can be a really hush-hush one. I've definitely been in situations where I, it's it's a situation where pretty much everyone in the room is straight and someone's talking about a trans person and they're they're nervous and and they're like um he was a she or she was a he and they get all nervous and trip over their words and it's always so uncomfortable cuz like they're uncomfortable um and i've ex- i as a straight person i've experienced that person i'm sure you've experienced that kind of thing before and we just need to talk about it openly like there is nothing to be nervous about there is nothing to fear here there as long as we chat about it ask questions like we always say don't be afraid to ask questions i think we could start to smash this phobia. It's going to take us take a bit, but with everything we said combined, we have the cure. <laughs> it really sounds like we're prescribing the cure to transphobia. If I which, could like, find a cure, then then I'd fix you with my love. You know that song? Yeah, Purse. That was so beautiful. And if you say you're okay, I'm going to heal you anyway. That's it. That's Sarah and I. No, I, I, we really do want to try though. We want to open up these conversations and like, we want to get people thinking and to maybe be like, listen, this is actually another interesting thing is that there are so many people out here in the world that don't even maybe realize they're transphobic. It's not like they know this. Totally. It's all subconscious thoughts. And that's what all these phobias kind of tie into. It's like, why do we think the way we do? I've had so many close people in my life have these phobias they're good people but i'm like yeah how do we get rid of it how even like very recently i was having a conversation with friends and they were talking about gender reveal parties and the one person was saying that their friend is planning to have a gender reveal party and then the other person said, I don't want that because I think it's the greatest surprise. Like it's the, it's the only true surprise you can get in your life. And I was thinking like, what's the surprise? What's the surprise? You're, you know, you're going to have a baby. What's the, di- liter- if you really think about it, guys, and, and if you have some questions about the trans community, this might be hard for you to, to wrap your head around this concept, but like, what is 
the difference between having a girl and a boy a vagina and a penis what difference is there other than that the biggest surprise the only genuine surprise in your life is going to be that you you pop out a kid with a penis do you, do you understand what i'm saying like just in this conversation about like gender are you gonna know the gender are you gonna know the gender i'm like what is the difference really what is it is the difference like oh if i have a girl that means that she's gonna do ballet and play with dolls and if i have a boy that means he's gonna like trucks and sports but you know people um, have expectations there like people have those expectations i've heard people firsthand dangerous. say when i have a boy they're going to be in these sports when i have a girl she's going to be a mini me and she's going to do this this and this let the human who you just birthed let them figure it out and i can bring but, it back to that example of the tiktok right like let your kid figure it out i don't know I also just want to acknowledge if anyone is listening to this and feeling kind of victimized, if they're feeling like, oh, well, I, I kind of really want a girl and I was excited about that. Now I feel like it's bad that I wanted that. It, that's not what we're saying. I think more the case is don't feel bad about that. That is society's, um, that is what we've learned since we were born. We've learned that we are a specific gender and that because of that gender, we have to do certain things and act a certain way. So don't, don't, so don't feel bad about that. That's just ingrained in all of us, even me and Persis, right? So I think it's important to mention that if you feel kind of like maybe you're wrong for for being excited about potentially having a boy or a girl. It's not about that. It's more about thinking about gender in a different way. And at the end of the day, not putting any pressures on your child. That's right. No, I, I think I definitely want to like reiterate, like it's okay to be like, I'm excited. I'm having a girl. Or, I'm excited. I'm having a boy, of course. I think that's only natural, but I think it comes down to those those societal norms and pressures that people just tend to put a, put on it right away when they think, you know how many people have said like, oh, I'm having a boy. I can't wait for him to be in hockey. Oh, I'm having a girl. I can't wait for her to be in ballet, you know? Also, like I just have to say, I think gender reveal parties are so silly and sorry, hot take. Sorry if anyone's offended, but I just can't with gender reveal parties, especially the ones that like start massive forest fires and kill people mm -mm, not my cup of tea oh you don't have to you don't have to argue with me honey honey bunny listen crimea will not be getting a gender reveal party is all i gotta say when she arrives crimea will be whatever he or she wants to be or they Crimea river oh that'd be so Crimea, fun to Crimea. that would be so fun to call when they when they play in the park together we could just be like Crimea, Crimea. river no it would be we would have to be oh. singing listen is there anything else we want to say about these phobias i think this this for me feels like an exploratory episode and that later on we can dive into like each of these types of categories obviously and we, we have so many topics we want to discuss but um it feels nice to kind of have this one episode where we kind of talk about everything all the fears and, and judgments and uncertainties all at once. And then um, we can unpack them as we go. But this felt cathartic to kind of like learn about it all and talk about it. Yep. Yep. I agree with that too. I think this is a very, like you said, we explored it. And if anyone has any other questions or want us to dive deeper into a specific phobia, let us know and we'll take it from there. But I have nothing else I want to add. Like I think, I think we touched upon a lot and we also learned some stuff about each other. Yeah, we did. We really did. You don't like my kisses, but that's fine. Okay, because you said kisses. That's weird. Kisses. 
Okay, if anyone hears that, they'll understand what I mean. No, they'll love it. <laughs> I'm kidding, I love it. I'm excited to get into this in case you missed it because I wonder if you realize we're gonna dive into something that's also close to your heart with this in case you missed it. In case you missed oh, it. I realize it. Trust me. Okay. Okay, cool. Cool. So everybody, Sarah and I, for this in case you missed it, if you guys don't know what in case you missed it is and you're new to girl on girl, it's basically when we like to talk about a really fast fun fact in the queer pop culture world that you may have missed. So I don't know about you guys, but it's springtime and I'm feeling pretty gay. That's right. She is. I really am. I I made a playlist. So um, it's called It's Spring and I'm Gay and you can find it on my Spotify. I have multiple playlists. Persis Abraham, search It's Spring and I'm Gay. I would recommend. This song Sarah and I want to talk about, it is 100% on my It's Spring and I'm Gay playlist. Of course. It is called Montero, Call Me By My Name. Wait, Call Me By Your Name. Did I say that right? <laughs> call Me By, okay, sorry. Classic. It is called Montero, Call Me By Your Name by Lil Nas X. And we actually found this really interesting, but apparently in an article according to Slate.com, Montero is the gayest number one single in Billboard history. Yeah, I love the title of that article. <laughs> Me too. Is that? Do you think that's true? Do you think that's accurate? I kind of feel like it is. I love the song. I've had it on repeat like ever since I heard it. Um, but listen, we it's all a great love, song. I I really love it. We love Lil Nas X in general. Loved him from Old Town Road, and it did become kind of like a memeable type of song. Like it was one of those songs that kind of became a meme, but it was great. Yeah, if anyone's like, who's Lil Nas X? He teamed up with. Billy Ray Cyrus for Old Town Road. And um, when we were talking about TJ Osborne of Brothers Osborne coming out in Time Magazine, I think that was our second episode or something like that. Um, we mentioned Lil Nas X because he's one of the only openly gay um, country artists. Um, but would you call him a country artist? I think that's up in the air. He's definitely mixed genre, especially with Montero, which is the song we're talking about today. Um, but yeah, in case you didn't know who he is, you probably know that song because it was pretty big for a while there. Hey, I'm going to take my horse to the old town road. I'm going to ride till I can't no more. I'm going to take my horse to the old town road. I'm going to ride till I can't no more. I got the horses in the back. But did you know, I didn't know this, but apparently Old Town Road, brackets, I got the horses in my back, was actually just a TikTok in 2018. It wasn't the song with Billy Ray. Oh, no. So actually in the fall of 2018, Montero, so Lil Nas's, Nas X's real name is Montero Lamar Hill, um, he stumbled across a beat that he thought he would turn into Old Town Road. And that was only like a TikTok song. And then apparently he tweeted a wish saying he wanted like Old Town Road to become a duet with Billy Ray Cyrus. And this was before he even met Billy Ray Cyrus. It's awesome. Okay. And then it became like that single, like huge, huge number one hit. But anyway, totally like went to the charts, like hit number one. But after that, um, you know, he came out with Montero, Call Me By Your Name. And what I kind of loved is that Lil Nas X tweet or instagrammed this 
And I loved, I loved what he said. I, I want to read this. This is what he says about the song. Okay. He goes, Dear 14-year-old Montero, I wrote a song with our name in it. It's about a guy I met last summer. I know we promised to never come out publicly. I know we promised to never be that type of gay person. I know we promised to die with a secret. But this will open doors for many other queer people to simply exist. You see, this is very scary for me. People will be angry. They will say I'm pushing an agenda. But the truth is, I am. The agenda to make people stay the fuck out of other people's lives and stop dictating who they should be. Sending you love from the future. LNX. I felt that. Yeah. And I felt that. I want to ask you, my darling. Yes. What do you what do you think about the call me by your name? Ty. Listen. Any any mention of it makes me happy. There is no mention of it that could make me unhappy, except in certain contexts, which we won't go into, that are happening right now for a certain co-star of the film. But the fact that this is number one is pretty much anything I could have ever asked for in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it. This, this is all I wanted. And now it's happened, so I'm, I can die happy. I think the message <laughs> is really beautiful in his Instagram post. I, I love the song. Like I said, it's a bop for me. I'm a sucker for queer music. If you give me any queer music, any queer artist, I will soak it up because we need more of that. Kind of the same as queer movies. Same deal. I will soak that up if it's a queer movie, queer mm-hmm. artist, mm-hmm. queer actor. I'm in it. But I'm excited that we're getting more music like this. Like he said, you know what? Maybe some people will get angry at him for releasing the song, but he knows other queer people need to see it and they need to see, they need to listen to the music and they need to also hear, see the music video. So why is this song in particular so important in terms of like what it means for the queer community? This article that we're talking about, the Slate article, it talks about how many number one hits, including Dancing Queen, I Will Survive, Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go, I'm Too Sexy, Believe, it's just naming a bunch, It's Raining Men, um, all of those have been number one songs, but there's something about Montero that makes it the most gay song that's ever been at number one. And what is that? From what it seems like in the article, what they're saying is like, this song is ostensibly gay. It's it's like, it's a male artist singing, saying, saying, boy, like, come on, let's go. It's Mm -hmm. just, it's, there's no, there's no wink, wink. There's no um, hint, hint. It's just like, hi, I'm, I'm a man and hi, um, hi, also man come with me there no that's those are actually the lyrics is that what you're saying to me if you guys like those lyrics but i love that and i that's why i appreciate songs like that i like the explicit lyrics i like when you're not toying with me and you're like i'm saying it as it is. And like, I'm, I'm really happy that this is like hit like mainstream charts to be this like really like gay song on the billboard charts. But there's so many songs that I think have kind of like flew under the radar that are, that were very explicit, but we need more of that. And I think I'm happy that Lil Nas X has this song that's kind of like paving the way for other queer people to relate to because you know what, there's been such a common theme of queer relationships having to be hush hush and having to be 
you don't talk about it so openly because it's taboo still we're trying to get back we're trying to smash that and i think we're getting um we're getting to a place where it's gonna get there but this is like the song is fun the song is like a hookup song the song is like hey you're hot and I'm hot, like, let's go. That, that's what the song is, which how many times have we heard that narrative in hetero songs, right? Um, or songs that are about hetero relationships. We've heard it a million times. It's old news. But this feels fresh. This feels fresh just because it's rare that this will be in the number one spot. That's just the reality. And that's why it's getting so much attention. And that's why he's he's using this as his, like, coming out. Oh my God. It's so fresh. And I was only going to mention this because I feel like as a woman who loves women, I feel like this is why I loved First Position by Kehlani so much. And I don't think I realized it until we started talking about Lil Nas X's song, Call Me By Your, or Montero, Call Me By Your Name, because I didn't take in, like, maybe I resonated with First Position so much because of the lyrics and how explicit Kehlani was being. It didn't, it was, it's a very underrated song by Kehlani. Like no one really knows about first position, not nothing about it. Only the like OG fans really know. But I was like, we need more of that. I start off slow so you feel secure. Just let me know where you feeling more. If your breath gets quick, that's normal. If my hands move slick, that's normal. We can smoke one first if you're trying to get lit. But we don't think I'm taking hits. We are. Why are straight people allowed to explicitly talk about their sexual experiences, but then queer people don't have all those anthems that are really talking about sex? Like we have, there's so many gay anthems. Are you kidding? Like, of course, like so many gay anthems, but, and you named them, you named them, right? Um, right. But this one is just like, we need more of that, of that representation. So that's really important. Yeah, at number one, I think that's a big part of this whole conversation is like the song is number one and it's it's crushing it. And also the song is just like a bop. The song is so fun. I can't wait to dance to it in a park during Pride Month. Do you want to come Ugh. to Toronto during Pride Month? We're going to dance in the park. Yes, I'm going to be there all month. Also, I saw that he posted um, when the song first went to number one, he posted about how like when he released Old Town Road, he went through a really dark period and a lot of people told him he wouldn't ever have another hit and he got a lot of hate and stuff and he was only 19 and it was a, he just went through a lot of struggles actually after that song became successful and then basically pushed through those struggles to release this song that has now become number one and um he now he has two number ones so um he's also been going through struggles and he's also been going through just like um, public prejudice, not because he's gay, just because that's what the public does, um, especially to a black queer man who's trying to like enter the country world. I mean, he, to me, he's just like a pioneer. To me, I'm like, you are doing something no one has ever done. Um, and I know there's artists like Darius Rucker who are black and country artists, but um, Lil Nas X is black, uh, queer and he's not country he's a mix of all the genres he's pulling in genres and he's pulling in people to collaborate with I just think he's doing something totally new and fresh and I love it I'm like give me more give me more and you can you can like laugh at like I think when Old Town Road came out a lot of people laughed at it a lot of people were like oh my god this is so like kitschy um, or campy but I think he's doing something really important here and I like that he's getting the recognition for that. I think it's only going to continue from here. 
I agree. It's only going to continue from here. Agreed. Guys, it's it's almost midnight and we've lost. No, it's not. Oh, Chris is. <laughs> I thought it was only like 1030. Girl, it's almost midnight. I'm not Sarah, mad about I'm it. Not I'm not mad. Just, I'm just like losing sight of my words. Me too. I'm not mad. I just feel like it's time just goes by so quickly with you. <gasps> okay, uh, Sarah. Okay, Chris. Okay. <laughs> I hope this episode made some sense, and I hope that we spoke eloquently. And even if we didn't, listen, we're just human over here. And um, keep sending us your messages. Keep sending us your stories. We are so excited for what's coming up next. And that's all I had to say, really. Me too. Um, we really appreciate you guys. I feel like we we really want to make it known how much we really appreciate every single person who listens to the podcast, honestly. It makes us so happy and we hope that we are, you know, resonating with you guys. That's the biggest thing. Let's bring these conversations together. That's our number one goal. Sarah's just just showing me her leg over here. It's a nice leg. You know, right? She's great calves. I always thought Sarah has great calves. I've actually been told that a few times by guys. (laughs) It's it's always been a little creepy. I'm not going to lie. Do you prefer it when a man tells you that or when your long lost love person tells you that? I prefer when Persis tells me. Exactly. It feels more genuine. Yeah, because I'm not trying to jump your bones. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> Do you not like that expression? No, I don't like it. Like bones. Sorry. Like, I, what bones? You know what I'm saying? Like, what bones? <laughs> Bony gal? I'm not bony, that's for sure. Okay, Pers, love you. Thank you for diving into these topics with me. They're hard to talk about, especially when you're like, you're not sure if you understand exactly where they come from. But I think the point is we start the conversation and then we go from there. Exactly. We And like we said, we're not experts. We're just talking from our own experiences and things like we've noticed in the world. So open to hearing what you guys think as well. But that's the whole point of this podcast. So we're just, I'm grateful for you, Sarah. I'm grateful for you too. Love you. Love ya. Talk to you next episode. And... We won't be talking in between. No, I I never talk to you in between. Goodbye. I know. Goodbye.